Hey guys, Abel here, and in this podcast episode, I would like to talk a bit more about this carnivore diet stuff, since I have talked about it in a few videos, and as some of you may know, I have ran this experiment for myself for about two months before, and these days I'm doing it in sort of a flexible manner. You know, I'm not 100% carnivore these days, and I kind of freestyle it. I find that now that I have adapted to this higher fat approach, I can be quite flexible and I have some deviations here and there. For example, yesterday was 100% carnivore and today, for example, thus far was 100% carnivore. But for example, uh, the day before yesterday, I had some fruits throughout the day. And just this past weekend, I was invited to a wedding and there I was anything but carnivore. But anyway, I received a fair amount of questions lately about this where some people just asked me about how to do it properly and some people had asked me whether it's a good idea for them to do it in the first place. And uh, this latter question is what I want to talk to you about in this episode. So who is a carnivore diet appropriate for and for whom it isn't? And while I may not be able to cover all the different implications of this question, by now, I think that I have a fairly good grasp as to whom it could be appropriate for and for whom it wouldn't be. Uh, but before I actually get into that, I'd like to tell you about a little bit of a frustration of mine. And that is, these days I witness a lot of discussions in Facebook and on various different platforms. And I see a lot of different comments of people about diets and different nutritional principles. And I see a lot of comments like, man, this diet sucks, or low-carb diet sucks, or keto diets are stupid. And honestly... I don't quite understand where that attitude is coming from. Like, why do these diets suck? Because you think that they are probably too restrictive or that you couldn't do it personally or you wouldn't enjoy doing it. And I think what's really important for all of us to understand is that nutrition, by and large, is a game of trade-offs. You want a certain outcome, and for that, you're trading in certain aspects of the diet which our default desires and our monkey brains would prefer to eat, which is a high-carb, high-fat, high-calorie diet that is super tasty, okay? That's the type of diet that any kid who first visits a school buffet would prefer to eat. When I was a teen, my default diet was like that as well. And then later, I wanted abs, and then for the longest time, my preferred diet was a very mixed diet, which was moderate in carbs and fats, moderate to high in protein, and was very rich in fruits and veggies. And then I found out that some of my favorite plant foods started to bloat me the fuck up, so I started playing around with this carnivore diet stuff. So it really is all about trade-offs, and everybody has to decide for him or herself what's worth it and what isn't. You know, people like to shit about intermittent fasting these days all the time, that intermittent fasting is stupid, it's a fad, why would anybody want to do it? And it's like... Motherfucker, do you think that people's default desire is to just not eat for 16 hours a day? Like, no. They do it because that's a method that allows them to control their calories in a stress-free way. If the reality of energy balance wasn't there, and you could just eat whatever you want, whenever you want, all the time, and it had no impacts on your physique and health, then all the rabid intermittent fasting proponents would grab a donut in the morning, whether or not they're hungry, because donuts are tasty. So I think it's important to show some humility and there are diets that do suck, yes, but I would say that most don't. There is only one thing that really sucks, and that's the reality of energy balance. So with that out of the way, let's talk about this question of whom I would recommend this diet for and for which people I wouldn't. And perhaps let's start in reverse order. So who are the people for whom I would not recommend the carnivore diet to? The first type of person for whom I wouldn't recommend this diet to is the person for whom everything is working just fine. 
So if your body composition is good, or at least you have a relatively easy time manipulating it to your liking, if your energy levels are good, your digestion is great, then I would say don't change anything. Like don't fix what's aimed broken. Now, if you're the kind of person who is just curious and playing around with your own biology is one of your pet projects, you can still give it a try just to see what happens. But I would say that the people who ultimately decided to give it a go, their core reason was, for the most part, is that they were struggling with some problems. For me, for example, it was gut issues. For some other people, it might be really fluctuating energy levels and some wacky stuff that happens with their blood glucose after meals. For some, it might be emotional eating. But ultimately, there was something that catalyzed people to take this on. So if all is good and everything is working in your favor right now, then I think that the sustainable self-development philosophy dictates that you shouldn't make your life needlessly more difficult just for the sake of it. The second type of individual for whom I wouldn't necessarily recommend this strategy for is the person who is currently in a really high stress state. And just, you know, his life is just a complete mess to begin with because the reality is, is that the adaptation period can be pretty rough on some people. You know, some people feel rather lethargic when their body is switching over from a glucose-based metabolism to more of a fat-based metabolism. That can kind of hit people pretty hard. And I would say that this on top of an already really high-stress lifestyle is perhaps not the best idea. So like I said earlier, when I first tried this diet my levels of psychological stress were already pretty out of whack. And then I threw this on top of that. And to quote my girlfriend, I just started to act like a girl on her period. So I quickly decided that this was just not a good idea at the time. So if you're in that camp, I'd say first cope with whatever is bothering you and get your mental environment in order a little bit and perhaps then give this carnivorous eating a go. The third type of person I would not recommend it to, and I wouldn't know this had I not gone through this experience that I'm about to tell you, is someone who is just at the tail end of a hard diet and just threw in this carnivore diet strategy to make a final push for fat loss. So what I did personally, for example, was that I was already cutting for six or so weeks. And then at the end of that, I threw this diet in. And then I was like, okay, I was cutting calories to a decent degree already. Now I'll throw this on top of this. So I'll be sure to keep my calories lower, which also meant in practice that I was trying to go lower fat, which now I know is probably the worst thing you could do if you're giving this diet a go the first time. Because during the initial phases of doing this, you need to have enough fat in your diet to actually adapt to this kind of an eating strategy. Now, you will probably adapt to it over time anyway, but if you don't have enough fats in your diet, then odds are that you will end up in a low-ish calorie diet with not a lot of fat in it, and it theoretically makes sense that as your body is trying to switch to using a certain substrate, it will want to have enough of that substrate, or else it will be tough. But theories aside, enough people with whom I interacted with have experienced this and I have experienced this too. So whatever the mechanism, it is just seems to be true that if you want to do this at first, you gotta be eating enough. Now, if you're higher in body fat, then you can perhaps get away with a higher protein, lower fat approach since your body has enough internal substrates to tap into. But if you're already lean, then I would say that eating a good 1.6 to 1.8 grams of protein or maybe one or maybe two kilograms per kilogram of protein, and preferably at least one and a half times as much fat should be the baseline. 
But what I would recommend actually is that you just eat the fattiest cuts of meat and fish with some dairy, eggs, and some extra fatty stuff like bacon, ad libitum to satiety. And you know, even though the first few days you may be overeating a little bit, some people will, some people won't, that will stop very quickly because a high fat, very low carb diet is just really freaking satiating. You may still not feel amazing after one or two weeks, but the hunger component will be taken care of nicely unless you're eating like peanut butter from the jar or create some crazy stuff like some zero carb Nutella from butter and some zero calorie sweetener and cocoa powder where obviously the food reward would be an issue. But I know that this can be a hard sell if someone is feeling the urge to cut calories hard. So again, what I did, for example, is I was going down from maybe 13% body fat down to about 10. And when I was at maybe 11% body fat, I decided to introduce this carnivore diet stuff in a state where I was definitely not comfortable with the idea of just eating very fatty stuff at libitum. So these would be the three types of people for whom I would not recommend a carnivorous diet to. But with that who would I actually recommend this strategy as a potentially good option? For one, which is where my mind would go first, is people with some really messed up digestive issues. So if someone is currently just a complete mess digestively and is struggling with bloating or gas, um, just really messed up stuff during toilet visits, so diarrhea or constipation that is accompanied with bloating, I honestly see little argument against giving this a go, if anything, for like a week or two. And again, I think there is definitely utility for trying out less extreme measures in such a context. For example, just lowering fiber or distributing fiber more evenly across more meals, fixing eating habits and being focused on your meal, not overstuffing yourself, or just simply cutting out foods that your gut doesn't seem to tolerate playing around with probiotics or some fermented foods, prebiotic foods. But I would say that a lot of these things are just guesses for the most part as to things that could help. And they do help some people and they don't help other people. But I do think that there is value in experimenting with these. However, when you're deep in the woods like I was then, and this is going to be some statement, but my default recommendation would be to just go with a full-on carnivorous approach. Again, if anything, for a few days even you will find that your bloating will go down by the day and within a week it will almost definitely go down completely for most people. And then if you're not interested in actually trying to adapt to this, then just start adding back things slowly to test out which plant foods cause your bloating. But you know, if you're already bloated up like crazy and then you're trying to tweak your fiber source a little and add in some fermented foods on top of everything or throw in some probiotics on top of everything, well, good luck with that. So for people in that camp, I think this can do wonders. Another group of people that I'd recommend this to and I think it could be greatly beneficial for is people who are trapped in the maze of food reward. So one sh really shitty spot that people can get to, and I've certainly been there myself, where you just start climbing up the hedonic staircase of eating, as Mike Isretel would say it. So you're just eating really tasty foods, and you have a real problem controlling your intake with these foods. And then you're trying to cut back, and you want to get back to eating more blander foods, but your taste receptors are just so desensitized to those lower palatability foods that you just have a really hard time making that switch back, then I think it's really important to do something that sort of pushes a hard reset on both your taste receptors, but also your behaviors around food. So 
One way that I like to do this is to first start out with some fasting periods. So just do a good 16 to 18 hours of fasting, which is nothing magical. You just stop eating one day at, say, 8 p.m., and then you eat again the next day at 12 or 2 p.m. And this is cool because when you go hungry, your appreciation for lower palatability foods will naturally go up. Now, you can absolutely go back to just eating healthy, low-calorie foods, so veggies, lean protein, etc. But the real magic of this meat-based approach is that it induces a sort of disinterest in food in general. So even though fatty meats, fatty fish that is salted tastes good, but it's just a very different type of food reward than the normal, even healthy diet that we typically eat with a variety of flavors, textures, and a variety of macronutrients. So food sort of loses its entertainment value. And in that regard, what's quite unique about this kind of setup is that you're actually well-fed and nourished in the meanwhile. Because you could do the same thing by eating cucumbers and lettuce and chicken and unsalted potatoes and some olive oil to get your fats in, but it would hardly be satisfying for anybody. Whereas eating fatty steaks and things like that, that's actually pretty satisfying. And the first few days will probably be a little bit weird where your brain will sort of look for that dopamine spike before your meals because you're used to having the big variety. So before your meals, your brain will probably go salty this and then sweet that and then creamy this and crunchy that. And then it will be kind of this wah, wah, wah moment when you realize that nope, steak again and again and again. But over time, it will sort of learn that nope, mealtimes now mean getting well-fed and getting good fuel, but it's not necessarily a time for self-entertainment. It's sort of like, you know, if you try doing a no-fap experiment, which if you don't know what that is, Google it, then you know that in the initial one or two weeks when you're doing this, you're horny as hell. Like you can't think of anything else but sex. You're so crazy that you could just pick up a piece of rock from the ground and make a move on that. But after a while, your brain sort of learns that, okay, we are just not doing this right now, and it all goes back to normal. And in fact, in the initial period, many guys lose their sex drive completely, and they go into a so-called flatline, which is really interesting. Maybe it's because their dopamine just shuts off temporarily. Who knows? But then, after another one or two weeks, it all sort of comes back to normal again. So... I think something similar happens here as well, where initially it's kind of weird to not have this crazy dopamine spike before your meals because your feeding behavior will be much more so dictated by physiological needs, more so than wanting certain flavors and textures. But the positive side, and this is at least what I noticed myself, is that you almost automatically start seeking different means of getting that dopamine spike. So maybe you'll start going out more or get more productive, but you're almost forced to find new ways to entertain yourself since food will sort of lose that ability. And with that, the third type of person I would recommend this to is the kind of person who really wants to maximize productivity and minimize decision fatigue in all areas of life and just wants to minimize the distractions of food and fitness as much as possible. And this might seem funny, like, is food really that distracting? I mean, eating itself takes like an hour out of your day, but you probably know that if you're in this fitness game, then food and food-related behaviors can actually become quite a time suck like planning out what you'll eat, putting together a meal that is both nutritious and satiating, but also is not completely tasteless, dealing with some cravings here and there, dealing with the early afternoon slump, 
Like if you're highly organized and structured, then you can absolutely manage these, but it can really become a chronic nagging background noise in your life. And again, you can totally do all of this with just setting up a solid meal plan and sticking to it. But I would say that in this regard, nothing frees up your brain space more than a high fat, very satiating diet that mainly consists of the same freaking foods all the time. So if you're feeling like your nutrition is occupying a little bit too large of a space in your mind and is actually a barrier to you from getting things done that you would want to get done, then a carnivorous diet can be a very useful ally. Not to mention the stability and energy levels that you're going to get. So for example, as I'm recording this right now, it's about 2 p.m. and I just had lunch. Earlier, I would either have to do something like this before lunch or after lunch and after a super strong cup of coffee because I would just get sleepy as hell after my meal. And when you're eating a carb-based diet, then actually it can be pretty hard to imagine that after a big satisfying lunch, you could actually just go about your workday as if you didn't eat at all. So this kind of a diet can sort of function like a nootropic of sorts. There's another benefit like this, which is kind of weird to convey, but going out in the evening would be kind of a pain in the ass sometimes to manage with my normal carb-based diet. So if I was to go out to have some wine with a friend or my girlfriend, say at 9 p.m., I would be sort of in a dilemma as to whether or not I should eat before. And it was like, okay, I could eat now at say 7 p.m., but what if I get really sleepy after that meal? Then this going out won't be too much fun. Or what if I overdo fiber and then I will be sitting there kind of bloated? So maybe I should just have lunch, then go out and then eat when I come back, but then I will be kind of hungry. And it sounds silly, but these were legitimate dilemmas at the time. Now it's like, okay, I'll go out at nine and I'll just eat at seven since there will be no difference anyway. Or I even did things like I'll just eat at 5 p.m. at home because I would be away from home until the evening and I just won't eat until tomorrow morning since this diet is so satiating that I won't have a problem with late evening hunger anyway. So these are nice little bonuses from this kind of a diet. And these are the things I would say that over time made me gravitate back towards this carnivorous eating. You know, I went back to a fruit and veggie rich carb based diet and I still enjoy it for what it is, but I would quickly start getting some of these negatives for which I abandoned it back in the day in the first place. And they always sort of hit me as a surprise that fuck, like this is how it's like when you get kind of distended after a big meal or this is how I normally feel after lunch. Like Jesus, I hate this. So again, I'm not claiming magic, but there are definitely clear benefits to eating this way. And depending on who you are and your life context, you could be greatly enjoying these benefits. So um, these would be the three types of people for whom I would and would not recommend this diet to. Again, I would recommend it if you have digestive issues like bloating and gas, if you're currently hooked on highly palatable foods and are prone to emotional eating, or if you find your fitness nutrition to be too much of a distraction and a drain on your cognitive resources. And I would not recommend it if you're currently highly stressed, if you're at the tail end of a fat loss phase and are already very lean, or if you're already in a great spot nutritionally and everything is working great as it is. So that would be the conclusion. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this and found it informative. And with that, see you next time. 
right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and liked what you heard. And if you did, then I think you'd definitely love our SSD training and nutritional course that we recently put out with Birgia Fuggerly. This program not only contains a 12-week phasic training program that you can use to time efficiently and safely build the best body you can, but also gives you four plus hours of video lectures about managing your nutrition and lifestyle to not only look good, but feel and perform optimally. And besides this, you will also be getting some really awesome bonuses like Birge Fagerli's Myo Reps and Zero Carb ebook. So if this sounds interesting to you, then go ahead and check out sustainableselfdevelopment.com slash SSD program. And of course, to not miss out on future episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and you'll be up to date on everything we'll be putting out. So thank you for hanging around up until now and see you next time.